what is up guys and welcome to who watches the watchers we go to the movies <laughs> watchers go to the movies we, we're watching the movies <laughs> this is kenny this is ian and this week we're talking about a hell of a movie that uh-huh. ian decided to pick for us it yes. is in the mouth of madness yes it's uh, a movie i've always wanted to watch it's a john carpenter film the, yes the great mind behind the halloweens the they lives the uh, escape the from new york's you know, yeah all those all those things that go spoop in the night you uh-huh know? so and it was a hell of a watch i think it came out in what 1994 i think you're right yeah it was written by let me see his name Michael De Luca, Michael De Luca, and he also wrote. I want to see what else he wrote. Give me one second. He wrote some episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, he oh. wrote the story for Judge Dredd, the movie. That's badass. Um, he also wrote Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and Freddy's Nightmares, which is oh, he wrote four episodes. There was a fucking TV show for Freddy Krueger. Did yeah, you know that? I didn't know. Holy that. shit. Okay. Well. That's crazy. I would have watched that. Um, Anyway, uh, he wrote this movie, and this is, I guess, you could call it a horror film. How did you... I mean, this is definitely classified as a horror film, you know? Um, But luckily, it's just like the kind of horror that I can at least stand, you know what I mean? (laughs) Because you're not big on horror. I'm really not. And it's more funny enough, considering we just did Invincible Mm -hmm. as our comic book episode, uh, you know, or, you know, something we've talked about recently. Yeah. is that I really don't do gore a lot. It's something oh, that kind okay. of fucks with me a little bit. But I think it's definitely more in live action kind of situations mm-hmm. too. And I think it's something I've gotten a little bit more used to. But just I've never found pleasure in like the classic like Freddy Krueger kind of, you know, ripping him to shreds right. kind of gore. It's just nothing I've ever, you know, gotten off on. So it's just something I've never. <laughs> there are people that get off well, on Well, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, even when you don't, you do a little bit. Come on, you know. But it's just nothing I've ever really cared about. So I've always kind of avoided the the genre as a whole i feel like but i mean there's plenty of horror films i have seen and can appreciate you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's just like one of those that it's got to be something special yeah but um Um, this movie stars sam neill as the main character mm -hmm. um and we start out in a cartoon version of an insane asylum yes an insane asylum this whole movie feels very cartoony kind Mm -hmm. of in a way at times you know and it feels very post 80s horror mm-hmm. i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like it, you can feel john carpenter still trying to make like an 80s horror film you yeah know, deep into the 90s so you know surprisingly i haven't seen a lot of john john carpenter movies neither have i as we just stated you know what mm-hmm. i mean so like i've actually never seen like they live um me neither or escape from new york like I uh, you know it's funny i've seen escape from la oh really <laughs> no bad um no, yeah, the the surprising movies I've seen from John Carpenter are Halloween mm-hmm. and Dark Star, which I think is his oh. very first movie. It's a sci-fi. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Um it's it's pretty good. It's yeah. it's all right. Um but this movie, it's definitely um it's it's supposed to be kind of like a Stephen King book. Yeah. Is the idea. Um, how did you feel about like the overall themes in this movie? Oh, well, the spoilers alert! Yeah, by the way, like, spoiler alert, and to just kind of break or to go over what the plot of the movie was a little uh-huh. bit, which is just yeah, exactly. We have Sutter Kane, you know who? Uh-huh. Who do you read Sutter Kane? You know, yeah. really becomes the the line of the movie. You know, uh-huh. um, 
because you know we have this this book writer who's disappeared and mm-hmm. and you know yeah Sam Neill who's John Trent I believe yes. I wrote down all the names yes, in a no, composition yeah, book right. somewhere um is a investor insurance claim investigator you got yes. it uh, who's been hired to basically hunt down this writer who's by the publishing company to hunt down their writer who's disappeared with the book right. he owes them. But at the same time, people have been kind of going a little bit crazy reading this guy's novels, you know? Yeah. So it's like this weird rabbit hole that our character kind of falls down um, mm-hmm. to finding this guy, which actually really leads to him and this woman ending up in the town right i think the the original the first novel was based on hobbs end yes yeah so um and which i funny enough felt very uh beetlejuice in a way like that whole bridge sequence where they drive across Uh i don't know if you remember but in beetlejuice they die on a essentially a very similar bridge to that so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of elements from this movie i felt like i was kind of watching other movies you know what i yeah. mean in a lot of ways and he's i like that they even bring up stephen king's name in the movie yeah, yeah. it feels like a movie made to make fun of him or, or you know like basically be like hey what if stephen king was a, a monster an yeah. actual monster you know um but no i mean i think it's actually kind of a love letter to stephen king because so? yeah because there was like this kind of like mild hysteria over like his novels yeah and like the the mid to late 80s early 90s well maybe that's where he was starting to fall off the end a little bit yeah but it it feels like 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 um like they loved his writing so much they were like i want to write a movie that kind of honors the idea the idea of what stephen king kind of did to people in the real world yeah what if he actually was doing (laughs) these things yeah but i i thought it was very cool i thought um because yeah, the idea is that the things that Sutter Kane writes mm-hmm. kind of become actual, and so they go to the to Hobbs End. I almost mm-hmm. I almost call it Hobbs Knob. <laughs> Hobbs Knob. <laughs> they get on down to Hobbs Knob, <laughs> uh, and they try to find him because mm-hmm. that's a place in the book. Yeah, it's Linda Stiles, I think, is the yes. woman that's with him too. Yeah, and she's supposed to be his editor. Mm. Is the idea? Yeah. Um. So we start out in the insane asylum. Sam Neill is crazy. Um, and they start playing the, the the carpenters, which I was gonna say. Do you think that's like a John Carpenter kind of like? like okay, was- so I wanted to talk about this too because mm-hmm. have you seen the movie fourteen oh eight? Yes, I knew you were gonna bring it up. <laughs> it's what that song makes me think of because I honestly love that movie. Yes, um, and you know it's so dwelled into the kind of the horror of that movie. You know, it, it makes me wonder if. That is the song that Stephen King writes into the short story of 1408, or if that was a decision by the filmmakers. If that's like a weird, yeah, co- if it's like a weird coincidence, or if it's if something it, intentional. If it is from the the short story, mm-hmm. then that must be a direct reference to it, or maybe a direct reference to it. But I mean, also the Carpenters shared john carpenter's last name so it's just such a weird meta around the fact that they just randomly play that song at the beginning and the characters like and and they're playing the carpenters (laughs) (laughs) and it's called it's only just begun and it's literally the beginning Beginning of of the the movie movie. yeah so it's it's it is such a weird insane like (laughs) meta thing that it like both links to stephen king and john John carpenter Carpenter. (laughs) in a weird kind of way um but yeah, from there we we meet a, I guess what is he a, a 
a therapist, yeah, a psych ward. I don't know. Um, and he comes to interview Sam Neill about what he knows, basically, yeah. because the whole world outside Doctor Wren, Doctor Wren, yeah, and Saperstein is the the kind of bouncier doctor that's just like, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, that's a fucking cartoon character. That's yeah. a guy that loves to do lobotomize. That's the guy that owns pinky in the brain (laughs) yeah you're right um he is pinky um (laughs) um but the the world has turned into mass hysteria because uh sutter kane's most recent book in the mouth of madness has come out or is about to come out yeah no because at the end of the movie oh, we realized it had already come out before all of these events that's so true okay so this is a movie where it's like what is really happening yeah like that's the question that you're asking yourself we kind of realized that John Trent is like a, uh, the, what is it? The unreliable narrator yes. in a sense, you know, yeah. even if he hasn't been directly narrating to us, the adventure we've gone on with him wasn't exactly the, the truth of the events that we've seen, you know? And it's mostly through his eyes. So we can only believe whatever he's experiencing, whether it's real or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie is crazy. There's a lot of jump scares. How did you feel about like the sudden volume of like the jump scares? I mean, I was expected of it, oh, okay. luckily. So I was like prepared for the nonsense a little bit, you know? And uh, I think it got me every time. Oh, really? Yes. Cause I was listening to it. I was watching it on my iPad. I had my. See, and I watched it on my MacBook. <laughs> yeah. And so I had my, my AirPods in like at full volume. Cause like the movie's pretty quiet until the jump scares. Mm-hmm. There's, we see a lot of, uh, like torn up people kind of like it's the idea of i think it it's kind of leaning on the same thing that the thing does which yeah. is like lovecraftian kind of like misshapen like unbelievable yeah, monsters like und- indescribable you know you yeah. can't even your brain can't even comprehend the thing that's about to fucking eat you you know <laughs> yeah i love the scene where uh sam neil is reading all of the Sutter Kane books before he decides to finally go and, and try to find him. Okay, I think that is the part that got my ass okay. in. <laughs> yeah. And so he he's he remembers walking down an alleyway and there's a cop beating mm-hmm. on some dude. But in his dream it's the cops like a fucking monster and it's just the same scene again, but it, the cop's a monster. And then he wakes up from the dream and then the cops next yeah. to him yeah, okay, so yeah, that part fucking got, got me my ass, so yeah. good. I was like, oh. <laughs> But yeah, it's there's a lot of jump scares in this mm-hmm. movie. Did you um, like this movie? <laughs> no, I did not like okay. this movie. <laughs> That's the reality of it. But once again, I don't really care for horror films. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely, one, yeah, like a very thing as, I think I would compare it more to The Thing than anything yes, else because yeah. exactly, it has like these, this almost like body horror <laughs> kind of you know monster type that Mm. it's really going for exactly i mean the the one thing i will give yeah movies from this era especially john carpenter movies from this era is the fact that he just so heavily did everything he could with practical effects and animatronics and as ridiculous as miss pickman or whatever her name was was in that final moment we get to see her because i was like oh that looked that That was that was fucked up that looked like a vacuum cleaner with some tubes on it you know or something you know what i mean but um i mean at the same time it looked fucking horrifying yeah i mean i imagine if i would have seen that at one years old in 1994 it fucking ruined my life you know what i mean (laughs) but i mean true No, but um, I mean, I I have to I will always appreciate practical effects and animatronics and mm-hmm. makeup and things like that. Even no matter because I how they age, I think that's just the better way to do it yeah. than because otherwise this, you get 
um, you know, Yoda looking like Flubber. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. it's just like, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I wish more practical things existed nowadays, but at the same time, we don't know how the modern day of like CGI is going to look. 10, 20 years from now. You know what I mean? It could still stand up pretty well. I mean, sure, look at de-aging now. You know what I mean? That's that is true. basically yeah. That's CGI. Because, yeah. uh, like, even Robert Downey Jr.'s de-aging in Civil War, Civil War looks... Uh, it doesn't look great today. You yeah, know what I mean? I guess like, that's so true. Like, uh, when it happened, we were like, oh, yeah, that, that is young. That's a young... Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. But if you watch it today, you're like, ooh, that's... They're trying to do a young Robert Downey Jr., you know what I mean? Um, they just kind of pinked his cheeks a little bit there. Uh, but, yeah. This, did you like this movie? I did. I did, did like this movie. You would recommend this movie to people? Yeah. Okay, no. So, yeah, let's talk about that. If you were talking to a horror fan mm-hmm. that was, like, trying to get – or someone that wanted to be a horror fan and wanted to get, like, into the deeper ends of the pool, would you recommend this movie? Probably, just because I'd be like, you want to watch something that's – insane yeah and and uninterpretable in a way but because <laughs> the narrative in this this story it there isn't really an arc for any character there's nothing that is grown or learned Mm-mm. for anybody because the movie ends with it kind of turns itself up on its own yeah self yeah. in the end you know what i mean like everything we've kind of experienced becomes kind of irrelevant by yeah. the end of it you know what i mean because yeah. they're like actually none of that mattered and this is all already happened you know mm-hmm. how did you feel about when the when they're first driving down the highway or no when she's driving down the highway and she sees the kid, oh, on, the the kid on the bike yeah. and he turns to the old man i really liked a lot of the kind of like psychological horror in this yeah. film you know what i mean i liked exactly when he's reading the book and it starts giving the fever dreams and then he realizes all of the covers need to be cut together to when make he, the map okay. you know when he pasted it together to make a map i didn't see it i don't know what the fuck he was talking about was there an obvious map there i mean it looked like the shape of a state or something when he yeah. glued them all together so i was like i guess i mean no, there was no blatant thing that because it didn't even take up the whole shape of the state either. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there wasn't, and I guess there was meant to be like a big red dot on right. it that we just didn't notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, Where I was, did notice. The, was it New Hampshire? Yeah, I think it was in New Hampshire. I did notice all the red lines on the covers, so that made sense when he started cutting those out. I was like, oh, that makes sense <laughs> that those would be like that. But it's like some of them he cut in half. It's like, how did he know which shape yeah. to keep? You know what I mean? It would have made two different halves of a shape. How did he know which shape? to use yeah um so i guess like silly semantics you know what i mean yeah. in, a, in a overall wild story i guess new hampshire is sutter kane's uh main yeah main that, i imagine that would be for stephen king yeah um but, do you think stephen king likes this movie uh that's a good question i think that he probably likes this movie i imagine he probably does it, too because in a lot of ways this seems like it could have been a stephen king movie from this era yeah. you know what i mean like it feels like something he could have written easily yeah. it feels like an adaptation of one of his movies you yeah. know because like during the 90s there was a lot of bad adaptations of his movies i yeah. mean more often than not the adaptations We're of his bad. books are bad but you know um i i like the amount of campiness in this this movie it just bums me out that there isn't like a real purpose to this yeah. story you know what i mean because like it's it's literally a ride with no destination um but <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster you kind of start yeah. and stop in the exact same place with just some fun hoops you know to kind of yeah. go along in between so 
That's so but, true. Um, let's see. What what are some other like? Big... I fucking loved Sam Neill in this though. But I mean, the yeah, thing is, no. is, like, it was so fresh to get to see like a young Sam Neill just being uh-huh. like completely unhinged. You know, like I love Hunt for the Wilder People and a lot uh-huh. of the stuff that he's done now that he's a little bit older and more tenured. Yeah, but it was just super cool to get to see him be like this kind of like crazier version of himself i feel like i'd never really gotten to see you know like with the wild eyes and the screaming and yeah. running very nick cagey you know kind of in a way so i i i think him being the lead is what really kind of kept me going through this movie because i fucking loved his acting through it that's true yeah. um i thought i i, I want to see more stuff like this i want to see there's some nicholas cage movies with sam neill on the lead <laughs> instead i want to see him doing the screams from that would Wicker be a Man. good idea <laughs> That would be a good translation of, of actor to actor. Yeah. Um, I didn't know he was from Ireland. Yeah, he's Irish. I had no idea. Yeah. That's, he's like he's like another one of those that Is just he Irish in, in Jurassic Park? No. No? He's just, I think he's just one of those that just is American. He just does American really well. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I've never seen Jurassic Park. Yes, you have. I've never seen Jurassic Park. How? I don't know. I just, I never saw it. And I still haven't seen it. Well, then we need to do Jurassic Park for our fucking movie <laughs> for an episode. We'll do like the original three Jurassic Parks because those as are like honestly... a whole episode. Yeah. Oh no, they kind of all fit together. That's I've seen why. the second one, and I don't think that they all fit together. From what I hear, they. I don't mean, fit they don't, together. but they do. You know what I mean? Like they don't. They do. I guess is what I would say to that. Because um, no, I mean they're three definitely individual stories, but they mm. all have to. They have to do with the same dinosaurs. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that I've would seen be, parts I, of the third one, and I've seen the second. The first one. one's easily the best. I'm sure. I'm sure. Even to this day, with all the Jurassic yeah, World, no, I mean, it's still the it's best. It's still the best, yeah. and it actually has a lot of rewatch value, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And the the CGI amazingly stands up. I'm yeah. not even joking. Like, it really does. All yeah. the practical effects and CGI. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like the the fact that they used as little CGI back then as possible, and it really leaned into practical effects. Ah, practical <laughs> effects. I think is why movies like that will be timeless. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's so many movies from like the mid 2000s that are going to be fucking ungoddamn watchable. I'm and sure Jurassic Park and... Three is one of them. Yeah, because they just lean so heavily into the fucking weak ass CGI of that fucking time period. You know? Yeah. Look at Shrek. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> Shrek is is kind of unwatchable. Yeah. Um, I've. Uh... I mean, I know everything behind Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I know the story. I know like so much of the development. I know so much of the. Yeah, it's a good movie. Now I want to watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> but I'm just. It's one of those movies that you know you know literally everything about, but you just have never took the it. time. Yeah, uh, Star Wars is one of those for me. I'm just kidding. Fucking liar, right? <laughs> you're just lying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, did you like my uh, my notes? No? Yeah, Written I'm surprised them. you didn't write more, draw more crosses on there. I know. Um, let's take a small break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll finish up talking about this movie. All right. Welcome back to In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> um, the question, uh, do you read Sutter King? It sounds a lot like Stephen King. Yeah. I think that that's such a good, like, 
It sounds like someone like stuttering while trying mm-hmm. to say Stephen King, just Sutter Kane, you know, just <laughs> like they were like workshopping names for like, yeah. what are we going to name the and the fucking uh, director or the writer in this movie? And exactly, mm-hmm. someone was like Sutter Kane, Stephen King, Sutter Kane, and they're like <laughs> that. So Sutter Kane is played by Jurgen Pron. Prunch now? Yeah, I was like, I tried to say his name earlier too, and it's impossible. You know, it's funny. He's also in Judge Dredd. He plays one of the judges. That's incredible. That is. Incredible. Um, he's he's in a lot of shit. I if I've seen him before, I don't know it. I felt like I had seen him before, but nothing I could have placed. I mean, obviously, he's just maybe like a semi relevant actor, like a B rate actor from that time period. Oh, he was in Dune. He played uh. Duke Leto. Uh, oh, he was Duke Leto? And yeah. He, oh, then he must have looked completely different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because in this movie, he has like this big shaggy like... Gray hair. He looked like a preacher. I thought he was... Cause, oh, I kind of liked his look, yeah. He looked incredible, especially when you first see him in the church, when the doors open after yeah, the it showed boy. a kid for a couple of times. Oh, God, that was actually fucking sick yeah <laughs> uh, when well, i liked that whole part because the you see the townspeople coming up and you're like oh shit are they coming after our like characters yeah. and then they just come up like give me my boy back and you get this whole intense scene of like basically him being like a the devil stealing children mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah the the what is her name linda is that what you said linda styles she's the editor she knows what's going to happen happen. because she read the first half of his book before he disappeared and so that's kind of the idea is that like she's trying to convince sam neil that like this isn't a publicity stunt this this is really happening somehow sutter kane has either realized a truth we were denying or has implemented his fiction onto reality yeah and i like that theme a lot the idea that like written word that is meant to be fiction could be real or is actualized as real somehow because i think what he even kind of goes on to explain is that it was always real and that these demons were almost like whispering Mm -hmm. these prophetic stories to him it was this it's almost like prophecy you know that he's been writing this whole time and it's just taken him so long to realize that it was true Yeah, yeah that it wasn't the thoughts in the back of his mind so much as an actual entity you know feeding him this information all of these years that yeah. you know so it's kind of crazy and he's very like uh <laughs> like anti-christy kind of in mm-hmm. a way where he's like the the bringer of you know this great right. evil you know the barringer of you know of, uh, destruction yeah um and so that's the idea that is kind of actualized by the end of this movie where um, uh, there's this huge, I guess, thunderstorm and like chaos mm-hmm. happens outside of Sam Neill's, uh, what is his name? John Trent's um, like, like room, room, his his mattressed room, his padded room uh, where he's drawn crosses all over it. He asked for one black crayon. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing that he was man- he managed to spread that crayon so well. Exactly. Um and so he comes out of the room after all is said and done and there's not a soul to be found. And the movie based on the book in the mouth of madness is playing on screen. And it's the movie. <laughs> and it's just pieces of the movie. And he's just cracking up watching it while eating popcorn. It's all the parts of him going, this isn't reality. This is reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like a super cut. Yeah. Um, See, exactly. Even the ending feels very almost like 80s horror film where it's just like kind of like that it feels like the end of the thriller music video or something you know like where it's like "Ah, ah, ah." 
you know? God damn it. That's so true. It's like the fucking mm. thriller fucking music video. I just want a fucking narrator to come in and be like, N-, you know, <laughs> it's did Vincent you have a good Price. time? Yeah. Spooky Halloween. You know, like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> It's so good. So, um, the Goosebumps theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the end, I, I do like this movie a lot. Um, we didn't, it's very camp. That's, yeah, it's, it's camp. Um, there's the, I, I want to talk about all the kind of monsters we see. We well, I was, that's what I was going to ask you. Cause there really is like, I feel like the one set monster that they kind of, mm-hmm. it's like what we see in the, the garden at the end, you know, it's yeah. like that tentacled kind of like, I don't even you know, humanoid kind of thing. Yeah. What did you think about that? Uh, that one scene that yeah. we saw it in the greenhouse, it was much like um in the shining where we see the dog man giving the butler a blowjob oh yeah where it's kind of just like the fuck is that yeah. and are we ever going to learn more about that and of course we do we don't in the in these films we don't you know what i mean and so i i think that that's uh i think it's cool the I, perfect I, level of off-putting you know that like I leaves that, you wanting more but gives you just enough to be like that was that was kind of horrifying. Yeah. And, and the fact that, uh, let's talk about the fact where he, whenever he tries to leave Hobbs, uh, Hobbs end, Hobbs nest. I'm just kidding. Hobbs, Hobbs and Sh- Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs, Hobbs. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, every time he leaves, it, this, the road turns into a red flash and he just ends up right at the same. Right back with the mob trying to attack him. Yeah. yeah which they're the slowest mob in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this scene because he does that like five times. I love that he finally decides, you know what? I'm just going to run right over all these fucking people. And I kind of expected that after like the second or third time. I was like, eventually he's probably just going to drive straight towards yeah. them. <laughs> and I was truly expecting a bloodbath. But of course, they all move out of the way except for Linda. Yeah. yeah, because he sees her and he's like, nope, I that's the one face I know. And so he drives off into a, oh, a, another part of the car. What did you think about Linda's body fucking? Ooh. Uh, that was the hardest part for me in a way. One, I was just bummed out that that's how her story kind of goes through it. You know what I mean? Well, like, I guess the idea is that she was never even real. Yeah, she was She was just a, almost like a fixation of his imagination to get him there right. or something, you know? Um, but yeah, I was just bummed out. Exactly. I mean, the fact that she was just never even real. And then mm-hmm. that's just how her story kind of ends. is just a little bit of a bummer for me. But I was also like, <laughs> Yeah, because the sound effects that they used were pretty, pretty rough. crunchy. Pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty crunchy. Yeah, because she turns into like an upside down like contortionist yeah. where they, they basically put a Linda mask on the contortionist upside down <laughs> and she's like walking like a spider but she's talking normal it was fucked up yeah i think that was probably the most fucked up part of that movie for me <laughs> i'm like damn it what am i watching um but let's rate let's rate the the monsters okay so uh the woman in the inn when she becomes vacuum monster oh god two <laughs> a, a two, two out, out of five? five okay uh zombie cop Zombie Cobb gets 4.5 out of 5 because he scared the shit out of me, <laughs> genuinely. Okay, Greenhouse Monster, if that's not the same monster as the Inn Lady. Yeah, I give Greenhouse Monster like a, a nice 4 because I feel like he's like the perfect, iconic yeah. 80s, 90s, yeah. you know, animatronic monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Bartender Scarface? Oh, God. Or not bartender, but bar mate. Yeah, the, the dad of the kid yeah. who got taken. Would you call him a monster? I mean, all he the... Was, I didn't like looking at him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was almost meant to be like a representation of how 
much the town was being like infected by Sutter Kane, you know what mm. I mean? Or like it was like how much the infection was spreading. He was meant to be like us visually seeing how right. much worse things were getting from the moment we first see him being like, give me my boy back yeah. to that moment, you know what I mean? So he was terrifying, but I'll, yeah, I'll say so. Good four. I'll give him a four too. <laughs> okay. Um, what about Linda gets a five? Linda gets a straight five because she made me shit my pants. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> No, not literally. <laughs> God damn it. For, for people who obviously can't see Kenny, he was nodding literally. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what about – I think that's pretty much all the monsters. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much all the big spook, you know. Because um, we see – How about the melting door? You know, that was the, the breathing door. Oh, yeah, that was – I felt like – because what was weird was then the that whole atrium of the, the church opens up and it becomes like a like a airport hangar hallway oh, kind yeah. of thing. And I thought that that end of the of the of the the scene there was I, a lot that happened in yeah. a little amount of time in that movie, really. Yeah, but that that end of the set looked very interesting to me, and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but then there was all those like weird monsters that broke out of the door that yeah. were chasing him. How? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, and you didn't really get good looks at them. I, See, think I feel those... like they were meant to be what basically we saw in the greenhouse, you know? right? And there was like a fish man in there mm-hmm. or something like that because they were all kind of different yeah. monsters from each other. That's true too. Um, and that whole scene was very like very nightmarish mm-hmm. for me. Like like in a in a way that that makes it feel like. Like, oh, what did I just wake up from? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, like that when you have a dream where you're running and you down a hallway that mm-hmm. you, you can't get catch up and something behind you is just getting closer and closer. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And yeah. It's something you can't even see or look back behind you. And when it finally gets to you, you just wake up. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those dreams? I definitely <laughs> So I want to talk about this idea that just sprouted into my head. There's the scene where we see Sam Neill before he ever sees the cop, before he's ever monster. Yeah. He peels back the poster and views in to mm-hmm. the, because to, it's a poster of the yeah. book, the cover of the book. And he peels it open and, and looks in. That might be a representation of him entering the book. Hey, that's actually not a bad way to think about it. Because then by the end of the book, we have literally him tearing open a page to come out of the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like where they rip open the, yeah. the pages to actually escape. That's a that's an interesting way to think about it. And I liked that it, when he finally does pull that away, it's like a picture of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he is the cover of the book, and it's yeah. why that would have like freaked him out so much in that initial viewing of it, you know? But it also is kind of a hint that everything has already happened, that the book has already been released even from the beginning of the story. You know what I yeah. mean? That everything's already inevitably set started, in set in stone. You yeah. Know? It's just incredible, this movie, how it plays on so many different ideas without ever explicitly telling you outright, like, hey, this is this is what's happening. It's wrong of me to say I didn't like this movie. I guess I would say that I will just never rewatch this movie. <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely a one and done. <laughs> but there's plenty of good movies that I would put in that category. You know yeah. what I mean? So... Okay. Um, uh, do you want to talk about the Oscars? The Bloskers? Well, h- hold on. Let's let's give this movie a rating. Oh yeah. How many? Four out of five. You are fucking. Nah, I, I'm I, saying how many out of five would you give it? Um, it, without any stipulations, like oh, if you're a horror fan, you know. Yeah. Um, probably a three point two. Three point two. Yeah. Okay. I because that's uh, that for me a three a three out of five. I like the movie. Yeah. It's not like one of my favorite movies ever. You know what I mean? So I think a 3.2, 3.3, somewhere around there. I think I would give it 
See, I feel like I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I want to give it like a three because mm. once again, I really thought Samuel because I always want to judge things on how much I feel like people put their heart into it. You know what I mean? If I feel yeah. like the actors and the director put their best effort into it, it's always hard for me to be like, oh, well, it was shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. I really feel like Sam Neill had a lot of fun making this movie. He really uh, put a lot of his effort into trying to be like this Nick, you know, obviously he wasn't basing himself on Nick Cage, but he no, has but like, like that. an unhinged Yeah, this type unhinged of man. man, you know, exactly. And I, I thought he, I mean, he hit the mark spot on. So I'll give it a three, you know, okay. based on the fact that it made, it did manage to definitely scare me. Um, and it impressed me with its a lot of its practical effects that they still managed to keep, you know, uh, feeling yeah. very uh, good and uh, relevant, you know? I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say. No, that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, uh, that's our rating for it. In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness. Do you um, read Sutter Kane? Do you read Sutter Kane? Um, do you want to talk about uh, Falcon Winter Soldier or the Oscars? Let's talk about it all. Okay, so do you want to talk about which one first? Let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. What did you think? I, thought, I, I really want to hear your opinions on this, because, yeah, it's something that I feel like you will be a little bit more opinionated on sure. than me, just a little bit, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like Baron Zemo's representation, you know, or mm. like how it ended with him is like something that you probably have uh, some mixed feelings about. Um, all in all, I thought it was fine. I, I give it a three Mm -hmm. um but it it was kind of a bummer that this is the show Mm -hmm. like that's the whole show that was it um i liked john walker i like his character a lot i don't agree with him i don't think (laughs) he's a good character but i like the way wyatt russell is playing him and i like the idea of him existing in the mcu and i thought it was great that he was written in a way that made you go uh, I don't know if I want to support this guy. And then you're like, oh, I definitely don't want to support this guy. But then by the end, you were like, well, okay, maybe he's not the worst guy. And I mean, that's like how you write a good character yeah. arc is that you, us as an audience feel kind of conflicted about how we feel about him. Yeah, we kind of want to like him, even though he's kind of a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Like, So I think John Walker is something they did right in this show. Oh, for sure. More things. I, I think John Walker is a better interpretation of the comic book character than the comic book does of him. Yeah, and the character. <laughs> which i mean can be said for plenty of characters yeah. i think uh some that come off the top of my head is like loki yeah and even robert downey jr's iron man is it redefined the character in the comic books forever definitely um uh but i i think that this this is i i like his i like where he's going a lot yeah um, definitely zemo felt like a fucking dud i mean it was fine it it was fine that I guess he was pulling some of the strings. Yeah. It was whatever. I feel like they just had a contract with that actor where they were like, oh, well, we signed a contract with you that you were going to, you get to be in this show. And so we're just going to have to write in I Baron that, Zemo into this somehow because he could have not been in it at all and it wouldn't have made a fucking difference. Yeah. I mean, that's completely They could have told this, this whole story 100% without Zemo in it and it would not have made a single difference to I, to what happened in the show and I think that's that's fucked in a way. It kind of worries me that the guy Ma- Malcolm Spellman the, the yeah. showrunner for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be the one that is going to be the the head of of writing uh, Captain America 4. Mm. Cuz I don't feel like the writing the dialogue in this move or the show was fine it was very good i liked a lot of what they had to say to each other yeah, the rapport and stuff i think the story was 
lackluster. Insanely half-baked. Like, unbelievably. To the point where it's like, I understand what the, the, what are they called? Flag smashers. Flag smashers. I understand what their whole spiel is, but it never felt real for me for a second. Nor the ways they're trying to get what they want accomplished don't seem logical or, you know, like. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it, it just, everything felt so Mm half-baked like when it comes to the story the the interactions that the characters had this new uh this new facade that baron zemo has either put on or become yeah i'm fine with is just the story was nothing it was a whole lot of nothing because we spend like four episodes in this like europe town that doesn't really mean or do anything yeah i liked that the Dora Milaje were there. Yeah. I, th- I loved a lot of the fight scenes. Um, it just didn't mean nothing to me in the end. You know what I mean? Because, like, it, it doesn't do nothing. No, it doesn't get it. it <laughs> exactly. I thought the show was going to give us more in the sense of, like, f- the future. You know what yeah. I mean? And basically all we got in the end was Sam Wilson's Captain America. You know, mm. that's all we... That's basically all that changed from one to eight. You know what I mean? So, I thought we were... Gr- I. The big bummer for me was Baron Zemo in a big way because oh, okay. I thought I wanted him to be more. I re- and I thought oh. he would be more. I thought yeah. I respect him as a villain a lot in the comic books. You yeah. know what I mean? He's a he's one of those that like is always kind of working behind the scenes in a mm-hmm. way and always has you know, he's like he's like a kingpin. He's like one of those that always is like two steps ahead of yeah. even when you don't realize. And so I was just waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know, and mm-hmm. it just never happened. It was like he danced in a club for a little while, helped him do stuff that they really didn't even need his help doing, and then just went back into imprisonment again. You know what I mean? So I feel like it, it, the ending, though, kind of showed that he's still pulling strings because he had literally all four of the remaining super soldiers killed in an explosion Yeah, that his butler set up or whatever um, the fuck. But I just, like, I think I would have been a lot more satisfied if Zemo would have somehow been completely free. By the end of it, you know what I mean? I if think, through manipulation, he would have just ended up a free, you know, like a free man to out be a menace again, you know? Or like, I think he'll be the villain of Captain America 4. Or if he was like secretly the one leading the Flag Smashers in the end, or like I kind of had a retconned uh, idea where I imagined like the Flag Smashers were the ones who took him out of prison because they thought he could help them break borders, you know, like oh, as the yeah. one that had already like fucked with. You know, he had he had been someone who messed with Wakanda, one of the toughest countries to ever screw with. So it's like if he had that ability, they saw him as a resource to get their schemes done. The thing is, I don't think he'd do it. That's true. I mean, exactly. I just thought there was better ways they could have used him as a character. You know what I mean? There was yeah. just better ways they could have used him as a character than I think he was kind of used in this. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, um, these the Between this show and mm-hmm. WandaVision, it feels like both of these shows are ideas that they want to present to us that are half steps towards movies something bigger because wandavision like it was just you know kind of her making her own thing and then fighting yeah it was just a prologue to doctor strange basically yeah and then this show was just them coming together defining a bond between the two characters and then they fight a team a prologue to captain america 4 so it's just like what is what do we really want to do loki will be a prologue to god of love and thunder (laughs) i don't think so i'm just kidding (laughs) that's a good call but i don't think so can you imagine do you want to talk about loki i mean how much do we even know about it besides the fact that he's going to just be a time traveling 
dude. Yeah, fixer, I guess, is the idea. Uh, I think that that's sick. I think that I'm very excited for Loki. Um, I think by the end of it, since we're dealing with time travel and shit, um, and I know that I've talked to you about this mm-hmm. off podcast, but I think we'll be getting Kid Loki. Yeah. I no, think because like, mentioned that we kind of thought they they were trying to build basically this young Avengers team or like right. this, you know. Um, and so yeah, that makes perfect sense if we kind of got the boys in WandaVision, you know. Uh, and then Billy Patriot and from Captain America and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. which uh, the Elijah Bradley stuff was dope. Yeah. Or is it Eli Bradley? No, Eli Bradley's Patriot Elijah Isaiah, Bra- Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley. You're right. Okay, Isaiah Bradley is is the older man. He's the older man. Um, that stuff I thought was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, by the end of Loki, I think we'll be getting Kid Loki, and that way Tom Hiddleston can say goodbye to the character. Because I'm always astonished that these actors aren't following Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. And just leaving. And yeah, because like Chris Hemsworth is still signed on to not only do Thor, but he's going to be in Guardians. I you think, know what I mean? I, but I think he is enjoying it. Is that kind of? Yeah. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I think Robert Downey Jr. was just ready to put down the mantle, and I imagine that that was probably a lot but I, you can i feel like you can tell chris hemsworth loves being thor you know what i mean mm-hmm. and especially the fact that he basically retconned the whole character just by being like i don't want to be this serious <laughs> version of the character yeah. i want to have fun you know like yeah so um i think it makes sense that you know some of them are sticking around like chris hemsworth but it's just you no know, and I, I mean i don't know how tom hiddleston feels about i feel role, like you know? he's been wanting to leave for a while for a while yeah um, so I'm, I'm happy cause I like his interpretation of Loki. Yeah. I think it's probably the best. He's the, he's the best version we could have ever gotten on screen in a way. You know Much I mean? like I said earlier about Robert Downey Jr. I think his interpretation has redefined the character in the comic books for sure. Definitely. You can see that in a lot of how Jason Aaron wrote him yeah. and then how Kieran Gillen. Cause I feel like he used to be written basically kind of like Maximus where he was just always like this, like mad. Yeah. Brother. Like crazy, like not even just mad. You know, yeah. Not even just crazy, but like mad. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like the mad hatter. He's always talking <laughs> in rhymes and nonsense right. and just is like, why? Oh my God. Just fucking go away. You know? Yeah. Just always doing evil shit for just no real understandable reason, you know. So, what would you rate uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Watch it once. <laughs> um, so, like a three? Like a 3.5. Oh, okay. Um, I would give it a little bit. I mean, because I definitely liked it more than I liked in the Mouth of Madness. You know what I mean? Oh, um, true. And I think it did give us a lot of good stuff for the future, like John Walker and Patriot yeah. and things like that. Um, I think we've just we got a lot of good stuff to see moving forward you know so there's like uh things to be excited about that i think we've pulled from this show you know yeah um what did you think about the captain america outfit oh i mean you thought it looked perfect yeah right about as good as it could really yeah i thought it looked dope um i liked that it kind of looked padded Mm -hmm. because he's not a super soldier yeah he doesn't have the (laughs) so he needs that extra kind of padding and stuff like maybe it's like a a double layer of Kevlar or something because homie need it. Um, I had seen a thing that, because I really liked that scene where we saw him practicing with the mm-hmm. shield and stuff and it bummed me out because I guess I didn't realize that there was a continuity error with that. Oh, really? Um, which was just that the whole scene where Bucky first shows up and they have the conversation, they have a conversation yeah. standing there tossing the shield. And they're already and perfectly they're just, doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And they're just casually tossing around. Then we get the whole bit where he's like, basically learning how to throw it and i I was like that's a little i didn't find that continuity hurting at all i thought that like he was probably tired and bucky was probably doing a lot of the work when it came to yeah i guess that's maybe true like he said he was like putting the effort behind it and he's just essentially catching the um 
So it was like little things like that. But um, I thought overall the show was definitely enjoyable, especially for anybody who likes Marvel. You know, that's true. Yeah, the last episode with Sam doing all of his shit, shit. with the shield and everything. Yeah, I thought was pretty dope, satisfying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought the show did a good job of yeah being like satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it gave you what it wanted to give you. You know, yeah. if not any more than that. You know, I did see one. Um, I guess criticism yeah. about the costume that made sense because otherwise everyone was just kind of like it looks kind of weird, yeah. you know. And I was like, it looks like the comic book. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you? What was the criticism? Um, that the costume in the comic book was based after Sam's costume in the comic book. Oh, it's like based the on Falcon. His Falcon. Which I mean, that's arguable. But then the argument that they present is that it doesn't make sense for him to suddenly have this extremely comic book accurate costume in a live action environment when he's never had the original Falcon costume to begin with. That makes sense a little bit. A, yeah, a, little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. But, but it, it also makes sense for them to decide to go back to the more original mm-hmm. roots and the, and that costumes are just more easy. I probably easier to put to a live action situation right. versus the original Falcon costume, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. You know? I the my argument is always the more comic accurate costume the better yeah and all you have to do is just like make the colors a little less vibrant and it's in quotes realistic I mean I feel like Hawkeye is our example of someone we wish they would have done at least a little bit differently have you seen the set photos less like the ultimates and more like no okay so they're doing are you talking about Kate Bishop Hawkeye no Clint you're talking about is it and it's still Jeremy Reiner yeah, for the yeah. Hawkeye show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's both of them. It's going to yeah, be yeah. Clint and, and Kate. No, I have not seen any. Okay. You, show, you showed me pictures of her. I haven't seen pictures of him. Oh, okay. He is wearing the Hawkeye outfit. Oh, really? Not with the, the wings and everything, yeah. but like the arrow pointed down and nice. everything. Yeah. So it's amazing. It, it's, it looks like the comic book. I'm excited have for you, that then. You saw the Miss Marvel costume. Yes. Okay, yeah. And that one looks just Good. as great too. I feel like I need to see that one moving a little bit. or I Because mean, the thing is, is she's going to have so much more CGI around her power True. and stuff too. So it's going to be interesting to see it actually like in action a lot yeah. more. Where Hawkeye is, that they can create something a little bit more just down to earth. Because it's just him, you know, mm-hmm. fucking shooting arrows all the time. So Did you hear about what Russell Crowe said? No? No. He's Zeus in Love and Thunder. Oh. <laughs> so Russell Crowe's let it slip on a radio station that he's playing Zeus in the in. What do you think Thor Love movie. and Thunder is going to be about? Do you think know. Hercules is going to be in it then? I think it's implying that Hercules might show up eventually. Not that maybe he'll be in this movie. Because they'll probably have to cast somebody. Yeah. Um, and... I, unless they're that doing would a be fantastic a, job keeping it a secret, yeah. Yeah, because Russell Crowe just sucks. <laughs> casting Zeus is, I think, a lesser job than casting Hercules because Hercules is going to be in the face in other movies yeah. of Hercules. Zeus doesn't have to show up in a in an Avengers movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Zeus can show up sitting in a chair and talk for five minutes, and then he's done his part. Hercules has to be someone relevant. Yeah. Exactly. Did you hear what uh, the fucking? Uh, Dang, you got all the tea, huh? <laughs> Did you hear what uh, Alfred Molina said? No, what? Because he's Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, they told me that it picks up right after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and that in this universe, no one really dies. What? Yep. 
So basically just all these older actors who aren't going to be sticking around for more than one movie or two movies are just like, oh, yeah, they're doing the Marvel thing. I'm there. I play this. I'm spilling everything. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Feige's pissing his pants. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like I, I, have, I have four <laughs> lines. I really don't give a and shit. Then, <laughs> and then vice versa. Tom Holland's like, if there's other Spider-Man, they haven't told me. And then just recently, Andrew <laughs> Andrew Garfield's like, if I'm in the movie, they would have called me by now. And so, you know, everyone's saying opposite things. And it's usually after one person said something bad, they go and call someone and be like, can you go and make a public statement yeah. that you're not doing this? You know what I mean? It's like PR. Yeah. yeah. It's like damage control. <laughs> like, go and make this rumor go away, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I just thought that those were fucking hilarious. Dude, you know what we should talk about for a second? Is what? that fucking uh, Phase 4 announcement that mm. Marvel released? Because, mm-hmm. dude, I got the fucking feels so hard watching that shit. <laughs> I don't Me know too. about you, but I, I mean... Yeah, I love Marvel. I, I'm going st- to ride this bandwagon <laughs> until the day I die. You know what I mean? No, yeah, for sure. Me too. I don't care if they... Because, even... like, we were on the bandwagon before the bandwagon was on fire. That's so true. <laughs> like... Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, we can be shameless about our love for Marvel. Exactly. Um, But I think, I mean, I think this next phase is going to be something to be excited about. And I think we're getting a lot of stuff that whatever we even get is still going to be amazing because it's just going to lead us to phase five, which is just going to be an even greater thing. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the funny thing. Like, phase three was it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. where we got Infinity War and Endgame. I guess technically both of those would fall into phase three, right? Or would I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think one probably sparks the beginning and the other sparks the or closes the end. Phase four is going to be very much like phase two in the sense that these are all kind of like setup movies none of these are meant to be like the movies you know what i mean these are all this is going to be like a middle phase to something that's just going to be the truly iconic season of marvel films you know so So you think it won't be until or you think phase five will see another kind of big mayhem Mm -hmm. show like endgame because i think it's phase six you think not until phase six even yeah because i think phase five might I think it's going to start with Fantastic Four and we're going to see maybe some X-Men in there a little bit, <laughs> which is crazy because what the f- we have so much shit. Yeah, we already have so much shit. We have so much shit and there's still the X-Men to yeah. come. Like and the geez. Fantastic Four. Oh, goodness. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see the Fantastic Four fit into a universe of the Guardians of the Galaxy because I feel like both of those are very uh, like space travel mm-hmm. kind of teams. You know what I mean? I think that that's... That works perfectly because the Guardians can set something up that the Fantastic Four can deal with mm-hmm. later. Or vice like, versa. Yeah. Like the Kree Empire or something like that. You know what I mean? Or Galactus. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you feel about the way the Eternals looks? I'm, uh, From I, the snippets the, that we've the, seen. The casting of the Eternals alone is something to be excited about. But I think it's I think it looks great, honestly. It, I thought it from looked... The, screenshots that i've seen are from the mm-hmm. like the bits the little snippets yeah uh it looks like the pieces and screenshots i've seen of no man mm-hmm. land so <laughs> it just it looks cool yeah. it looks like a weird like like middle of the world like yeah it doesn't have the inhumans problem which is right out the gate you're like you sure that, yeah <laughs> that's 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 what you wanted this to look like you know like <laughs> Like I mean, all their costumes. Yeah, I mean everything from that first those first few images looked like it's going to be something at least 
watchable, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I fucking love Camilo Nanjiani and, yep. just, you know, I will basically sign on to anything that he's on. So yeah. at this point, so I'm pretty pumped for it. Honestly, I think Eternals looks fucking great. I think Shane Chi's going to be a ton of fun. You I know agree. what I mean? Like, that's how I feel about the movie. That movie's going to be a ton of fun. You know, yeah. it's like, all, it's going to be like a water park of a movie. You know, we're just going to go in there and slide down the slides of all the action and be like, woo. Um, how do you but, feel about the idea that um, you see that quick kind of, um, uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon kind mm-hmm. of scene in the trailer for shang chi where there's the woman kind of shifting her her gravity her footing like like she's floating for oh a second. yeah she's in a green and yellow garb how do you feel about her being like an ancestor to iron fist or something that'd that's a amazing. theory going around on the internet Holy right shit, now really yeah <laughs> that'd be badass I, anything they want to fucking dwell in that would be badass yeah. i think iron fist is something that shang chi needs to like adopt yeah to adopt like if they can't take that netflix series over genuinely just fucking abandon it and just take those elements and put them into shang chi like you know what i mean just like have him find the dragon and become the iron fist or something i'd be that would be so i'd be perfectly content with that and it just be a retcon and they'd be like oh the netflix series didn't fucking (laughs) count and i'd be like you know what fine (laughs) i'm fine with that danny rand was never the iron fist in the mcu (laughs) you know like i could live with that. that's okay yeah um, how do you feel about the renaming of Black Panther 2 to... Wakanda Forever? Wakanda Forever. <laughs> what was the original name? It was just Black Panther 2. Oh, okay. And then the renaming of Captain Marvel 2 to just be the Marvels. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Actually, I thought that was cooler. You know what yeah. I mean? I like that the movie's called The Marvels. Because yeah. even before, in the comic books, before... Um, I almost just called her Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Before Carol Dar- Danvers becomes Captain Marvel Spectrum. Uh, Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel. Was Captain Marvel for a bit. So we see her kind of like emblem in the center of the A in mm-hmm. Marvels, I think. And then we see the S is the, you know, the S that uh, Miss Marvel yeah, kind of adopts. Has, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that's sick because I, I can't wait to see those three characters those interact. Team up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That I movie's... can't wait to find out what the story would be for either of those movies. That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm very curious what the storyline is going to be that's going to bring those three characters together for the, the Marvels, you know? Like, yeah. Because they feel like right now we don't have any context and that would bring any of them to the same place, you know? Yeah. Um. And then what was the Ant-Man and the Wasp? It's Quantumania. Quantumania. Yeah. That one's going to have Kang. <laughs> Kang the Conqueror. It's written by Jeff Loveness. I'm very excited for that one. Are you? Yeah, because I can only imagine that it's going to be good. Do you want Kang the Conqueror to look how he looks in the comic books? Like the purple skin and the like I crazy think, armor, you know? Yeah, like, I, th- I think... What, gonna, you don't think he's going to look like a Thanos? No, like, I, uh, I think what they might do or... No, I think this is hopeful thinking. Yeah. But what I hope they're doing is that he'll look like the actor that's playing him because they've already casted him. It's the it's the actor from Lovecraft Country or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you, the main actor from Yeah, the main oh, actor. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I can imagine. When he, he's playing Kang? He's playing Kang. Dang. And I so, thought it would have been an older actor. I mean, I was hoping for a much older actor, but I, I'm okay with the the cast the casting that they chose. I mean, it, his it name kinda, is Jonathan Myers? Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. Jonathan Majors. Majors. Um... I would have liked an older gentleman, um, but I think he'll probably look like this until he is, like, in the... Conquering. Yeah, (laughs) because a lot of the time in the comic books, he's either blue or he wears a blue, like, face covering. Yeah. So, um, 
either one works for me. Like, that's fine. You'd be fine if he was more like just human. Yeah, I would hope that he would show up like this and, and like kind of try to manipulate more. some stuff and then becomes king. Like, not literally becomes king, but just shows his true self. I guess is the idea. Um, just because a lot of the time in the MCU, for whatever reason, they they'll take like a uh an actor of color and then paint them green or yeah. blue you know what i mean so so i just Let's take an actor of color and make them a different color <laughs> and so yeah i just that's you know so, that's so funny and accurate honestly <laughs> but yeah do you want to talk about the oscars or do you want to wrap it let's wrap it let's wrap it okay so thank you guys for listening i don't want to shit on the oscars we did that on our own time <laughs> yeah we did that off pod <laughs> um in, in short i i'm just not a fan of yeah. the oscars it's just not a representation of what we would like. Well, and or even what, what the public, yeah, yeah, even opinion, you know, the public opinion really is. So, yeah. what is an award show if it's not even reflecting the opinions of the people it's pretending to? You know. Well, funny enough, uh, a lot of the top Oscar picks we'll be covering on this podcast yeah. in the future. So, uh, stick around for things like Mank and uh, Minari and. Yeah, uh, tenant, tenant, and the sound of metal. Dude, sound of metal. Yeah, that's what I thought should won. <laughs> we'll talk about Whatever. that. On yeah, that we'll episode. talk about it later. Um, next week we're going to be talking about uh, Motherless Brooklyn. I'm excited for this one. Okay, all right. Well, we will uh, see y'all then, or we will see you on another time. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.